are listening to the Doers Podcast right here on the Doers Network. And now, here's your host, Donald Robinson II. Welcome, everyone, to the Doers Network. I'm Donald Robinson II, your host. And on the line, we have the fabulous Mrs. Danielle North, founder and owner of Kids Kingdom Detroit, a wonderful facility in Detroit. We're going to talk about that and much more right here on the Doers Network. So, Danielle, how are you? I am doing uh, really well this evening. Thank you so much for uh, for having me. Um, how about you? Pretty good, thank you. Pretty good, thank you for asking. Pretty much uh, looking forward to 2019 and also Happy New Year to everyone out there listening. Uh, looking forward to a lot of great things. So let's get to it. So let's tell go. me, let's go, let's go. So let's start here, Danielle. Who is Danielle North and... Where were you born? Where were you raised? And let's go all the way up to now, what you're doing now. All right. So um, I am a native Detroiter, born and raised here. Besides, uh, spent a little bit of time out, outside of the city. Uh, my father was in the, in the military. He was in the Army. So I lived in uh, Colleen, Texas. I lived in Fort Carson, Colorado Springs. Um, and I actually went away to college in uh, Central Michigan, at Central Michigan um, in Mount Pleasant. But other than that, I've been in Detroit pretty much my whole life. I attended Detroit Public Schools, um, matriculated up through the system here. My grandmother and several of my family members are still living on the same block uh, that is kind of a staple in my family. Um, yeah. I was you know, raised with a really close-knit, church-going, uh, strong, close um, family. Uh, here in Detroit, and um, I actually have uh, three siblings. I have a, a um, I'm, and I'm the eldest of four of us. Okay. I have a, a younger sister and, and two brothers, um, and I've always just wanted to, to help people and, and make a change, and so I've just been really focused on that. Um, even as, as a young child, I think even, you know, playing kind of like that big sister role and and wanting to be a caregiver and, and help out. Sure. And so I, I went away to college and um, finished my studies and actually, believe it or not, uh, social study and broad, social, I'm sorry, sociology and broadcasting. I was going to go into broadcasting, but after studying sociology, I fell in love with it. And I said, you know, this really speaks to my desire to help. And I, I don't want to go out here diagnosing people, but I want to create programs to assist. And that's really what I've been doing. Um, and now fast forward, I'm uh, married. I've been married for 11 years. I have two children and one on the way, uh, two, two sons and a third son on the way. And so, you know, even with that desire to help, I couldn't have been uh, more uh, prepared for what was really to come until I had children, because they're truly the impetus um, and the focus of a lot of what I do now, because I'm really inspired to make everything better for them. So it really took it up a notch and I really can't take a lot of credit for it, but just them being additional fixtures in my life um, have really helped shape and mold who I am and a lot of things that I'm, I'm doing right now in the city of Detroit. So that's, that's me. Well, wonderful. Thank you. And uh, thank you for everything. And, 
Thank you for what you do, and congratulations on the baby on the way. We pray that he's going to be a happy, healthy baby boy and great Thank addition you. to your family. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's what, that's what we're believing and hoping for. So far, so good. So Excellent. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to you with in terms of the um, being in Detroit. And for those of you out there listening, we're broadcasting here in Detroit, Michigan, USA. And a lot of families here have been here for their whole lives. A lot of people, including like myself, similarly, you know, stay on the same block they grew up in, they were born at. Um, a lot of people dedicated, hardworking, looking forward to bringing great things to our city and great energy right. and great, great, you know, just great opportunities. Um, and they've and been here, been here trying to, to, to make a difference. You know, the rebirth, it, you know, it sounds like this new, fresh thing. And it's like, you know, my, people, people never stop. My grandmother's still there doing what she's been doing and, uh, you know, still, still in that, that same community. And I'm not in that same community now. I live in, uh, uh North Rosedale park, but okay. you know, uh, but I'm, I'm still here in Detroit trying, trying to fight that fight. And, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's, it's, it's a battle. It's a struggle every day. I think, um, because I, I told myself before that it wasn't a sacrifice to be in Detroit, but really at the end of the day, uh, there are some sacrifices. Oh yeah. Um, that that have to be made you know we've got a cost because we can't get legislation passed to get our insurance right right you know high taxes sometimes that don't you know afford us the same services that we get if we were in the suburbs right you know so there, there are a lot of things and at the end of the day that is a sacrifice because technically you could go somewhere else and have it different or have it better so i you know hats off to all of us out here uh, trying to make a difference and, and make this thing work. Yeah, and, and the one thing that I always talk about on the podcast with all my guests is that for the young people who are coming back whose parents, grandparents, maybe great-grandparents were once here, born and raised here, moved out, moved out to the suburbs, and now the new young generation is deciding to come back and take an investment. I say welcome all because we, we're inclusive. You know, we're family here in Detroit pretty much. and, and That's right. The wonderful thing about it is that we're all working together. And I think this time, the quote unquote renaissance that people have been talking about for the past 30 years, I think is real now is you can right. see it. You can, you can touch it and you could, you know, you can see the people that are really trying to work together and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. All hands on deck, but I'm definitely about acknowledging the fact that there are people who, who never left. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and it's very important because, our, the people who have been here, our, our fellow Detroiters, have the historical knowledge. They have the they have the wisdom, and now we have you. If you per, you merge that with the youthful energy, there's a lot of great change that can happen. And it's already happening. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So it's it's great. It's an exciting time. I, I feel the uh, the the surge of energy. I feel the connectivity. I I talk to people all the time who even who've been here for a decade but came back yep. who were really who were really inspired by Detroit and excited to come back like you said their parents moved away a lot of folks from white flight and you know they're here because they felt connected to it so yeah. i welcome it all let's make it happen let's make it happen and the beautiful thing about it is that they're excited about it and so are we so that that makes it perfect that's right so so let's go daniel into your background so you said, interestingly enough, with your studies, how did you be able to to study both sociology and broadcasting? What what made you interested in both? 
So the thing is, I went away to Central Michigan because they have an excellent broadcasting program. So when I was in uh, high school, I was the PA announcer. Um, I was always doing uh, speeches and, you know, being used as an ambassador to uh, represent uh, the school. And as I started doing those things, you know, uh, different teachers and mentors would say, have, have you thought about going into broadcast? You would be an amazing newscaster, you know, and well, you know, that's a, that's a path because I had been going around for the longest of time saying I wanted to be an anesthesiologist because it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and let, and let me say, I was saying that, but meanwhile, I was a strong student, um, obviously had skills and, and talents and things that I was already kind of shining, but you know, it was just kind of saying something that, that sounded good. And I had also always wanted to be a lawyer because my dad always told me, oh, you got the gift of gab. You're going to be a lawyer one day. Right. But this was the first time where it was real, where it was kind of like, you know what? I could actually really be successful at doing that. I, I would love to try that. I ended up starting out at community college and, um, and, and working full time, going to school full time. And my scholarship was for two years at a community college and then two years at a university. And so while I went at that strong for about a year and a half, I ended up needing to take a break. And in taking that break, I was kind of taking a class here and there, end up forfeiting the scholarship because you had to do it, you know, two years and then two years. Right. Um, enjoying my job, working in healthcare, actually working at Health Alliance Plan, getting great experience, making great money, meeting amazing people. Um, but it, that wasn't like a career change thing for me. Never when I was there did I ever contemplate, oh, well, I'll just do this for the rest of my life. It was always my plan to, to finish school. Right. Um, being, uh, being the second person in my entire family to um, graduate with a college degree, I just knew I, I needed to do that, not just for myself, but for other people coming behind me. And so my, my, you know, it ended up going slightly different, but I was on that path, including folks I was working with. They were like, you need to go ahead, finish your degree. And um, so I, I ended up going away to Central Michigan University to study broadcasting, still off of that same thing from high school, knowing that I had that 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 skill in in broadcasting and while I was there sociology was supposed to be my minor only because you when you get there you have to pick a minor right. I knew broadcasting was going to be it so I searched the catalog and I said oh, okay sociology this sounds good you know this sounds like me right and as I started taking classes I really fell in love with it at the same time while I'm taking these broadcasting classes, it's not that I was falling out of love with it, but it just didn't seem like the right path for me, given the fact that I wanted to make an immediate impact. I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to get right into the thick of things um, in, in studying broadcasting. I wanted to, you know, do documentaries or end up in my hometown, you know, like Carmen Harlan. But, you know, that takes time. Right. So what was going to happen for me was that I was going to end up at some news station up north, you know, doing, you know, whatever updates, because I was working at the, the news station at my, my school. I was really in this thing. And as I started to look at that and look at what I really wanted, um, I knew that broadcasting wasn't the right immediate path for me. Okay. And at the same time, I was really just 
falling in love with sociology and the possibility of working at a nonprofit or working in housing and making an immediate impact in my city. Cause I was trying to get back home. I said, I don't, I don't want to be, I'm already and two hours away is not up North, up North, but right. I felt up North enough. <laughs> right, right, right. As it was. And I, and, and so that's how that came about. And so broadcasting actually ended up becoming my minor okay. and sociology ended up being uh, my major. And so, you know, I, I, I find my way back around into broadcasting in various ways, including being on your podcast tonight. So <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. So basically you switched majors and minors. I mean, you had it one way and then that's you switched right. to the other. That, that's beautiful. That's right. That's one. But see, the, the, I guess the, the reason I say that, because a lot of people, including myself, when I was in college, you know, when you switch, you go totally different because I started off with computer science, you know, in the engineering mm-hmm. program. It didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I switched to the business school and majored in economics. So that's two totally different things. But it's right. Wonderful. Yeah. But it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I've seen people do that. Yeah. And, and it's wonderful that you were able to do still both. It's just you, you concentrated, you know, the, the concentration switch instead of the actual studies. So that's good. Absolutely. Yeah, because I still enjoyed both areas. And not to mention, I have been taking classes in both. Yep. And so it was just, it made more sense to just switch that um, to my major and I could still keep the classes that I had taken for broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Worked so, out. Oh yeah. And then it's good that it worked out. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this. So when you went on ahead and, you know, graduated and everything, what was your career? How was your career started? Did you start with a job at a nonprofit or how did, how did you start your career? So, you know, my life has been a series of being in the right place at the right time. Okay. And in doing that, being, how do I say, uh, aggressive and um, maybe smart enough without sounding too presumptuous about myself to make the right choices, right? Because we're all faced with choices and paths to take. Yes. And I can just say, I did not plan all of this out. Okay. And, and I've just been blessed and fortunate to to have access and opportunity and to take the leap when it, when it was given to me. Sure. I was working in student housing at my apartments, you know, this is how you get your, your, your room and board paid. Right. I was working at my apartments because they paid for my stay. Um, and then we would get some additional incentives on top of that. And while I was working there, you know, sometimes we just got our head down, we're doing our work and people notice us. Yeah. And so there was no way I thought anybody was going to notice me because I had already had a career and I'm like, I'm here to, to go to school, work two or three jobs if I have to, but not thinking like it, it would turn into career opportunities. I figure once I graduate out, I'll, I'll get the job. Right. So uh, one of the managers, um, she ended up getting an opportunity at a new affordable housing um, um, complex that was being built up the road. Okay. And once they asked her to start, she approached me. I mean, this was totally, she just caught me off guard. She said, I'm getting this managerial position over here and I want you to come with me. Wow. And it was just like a, a leasing office in a trailer. We didn't have the, I didn't know anything about leasing affordable homes, anything like that. I knew my commute, my working here at the apartments. I knew I had my prior experience, my prior work experience, which always made me more mature than my peers. Right. Cause I came to college with a car, 
with my own set of work experience and different things like that. I had already had apartments. So it was a little different. You right. know, it wasn't like I was just fresh out of high school. So she noticed something in me. And I said, sure, you know, I jumped at the opportunity, you know, it was paying more, I was going to learn a new skill. And I'm like, this is helping people. This is getting, you know, affordable homes for people. And I, and I, and I like new stuff, you know, I just, I always like a new challenge. And so end up working with her. I, she ended up leaving. I ended up, um, earning an award with the company as a leasing star within the company. Wow. And they have properties all over um, Michigan and even had been working on some developments out of state. Um, and so I just went in and I was killing it. I was leasing up those properties as buildings were getting certificate of compliance. I had a wait list with applications, everything. End up hiring another girl who I was working with. Um, Another girl from school, she ended up working with me. And I mean, we were killing it. And sometimes we didn't even have a manager because there were different things that came up. Right. And so the corporate office recognized me for the work that I was doing. And I, what I did was, and this is so like pie in the sky, but I'm, I have multiple examples of this. I wrote a letter to corporate and I said, hey, I'm, I'm the one here, you know, at the at, at the apartments here in Mount Pleasant that have been doing all this leasing, and when I I would like to um, come home when I'm done with my degree, and I was wondering if there were any opportunities within your I wish I still had that letter yeah any opportunities within your corporate office which I knew was in Bingham Farms right. which was close to home I'm like okay that's up the street right um and um and I said and this will be an opportunity to you know, again, learn more affordable housing. That's helping people. Great. Right. And what do you not know? They responded to my letter and gave me a job, offered me a position with the corporate office with, uh, you know, a full-time job benefits, all that sort of thing. So I went into affordable housing. I did that. And meanwhile, as I really started doing that work, I encountered some things where within the for-profit kind of corporate world, um, there were some women I was working with who I felt like were pretty much out to get me, mm. but I didn't know that at the time. Okay. And it was a dog-eat-dog kind of world where, you know, and all of this is in hindsight, where there was some overlap with the work that I was doing that my supervisor was doing and she felt threatened. And there was kind of like this thing of, Oh, you need to pay your dues up. And for sure there was some resentment. I believe like, who is she? She wrote a letter to corporate and this young black girl is just coming and working here. Right. And so I really believe there were some things going on behind the scenes. And, And meanwhile, they were planning to do some layoffs anyway. Um, and so they let me go, told me, you know, my services were (laughs) no longer needed as they're making this transition. And meanwhile, at the same time, I had been applying for jobs at nonprofits and I wouldn't be surprised if some of that got back to some superiors or however, because again, I just feel like these women were kind of like vying for their own positions and you know, really trying to make sure they solidified their space. Right. And, you know, this newcomer is not just going to come in and, you know, it's I've been over. working at this for, right. yeah, X number of years. And so um, from there, I was applying at uh, various nonprofits. But once I got let go and I, I hadn't um, solidified anything, I had gone on a couple of interviews. Um, here's another leap of faith. 
So I was laid off. I was applying for jobs like no other. I was actually going to the library every day because at this time I was newly married. We didn't have internet or anything in our home. I was going to the library at Joy Road in Southfield okay. every single day applying for jobs. Okay. Applying for jobs on that computer because I said, I'm, I'm going to be, I was on un- unemployment. I've been on unemployment for six months out of my entire life. Right. And I said, when this six months is up, I will not be on unemployment. I will have a job. Right. So, so I was doing that, but my leap of faith was that I had met Councilwoman Alberta Tinsley Talabi. Okay. At a at a banquet for a scholarship banquet for my cousin, and I was so awestruck and inspired by her. She had on her African garb. She was up on that stage. She was almost sounded like a preacher when she spoke. And I had never met her before. Dave Bing was another member of that panel. Okay. And I was just, I've never been afraid to network. I've never been afraid to go up to people. And I went up to her after that scholarship um, banquet was over. And I just told her how inspired I was by everything that she said and, um, and just how, you know, I was grateful to hear everything she said. And she said, well, here's my card, you know, give me a call anytime. And I mean, she just sounded so genuine. Mm-hmm. And guess what? When I got in that situation, that's exactly what I did. She was something that she's someone that I remember. Yeah. Reached out to her again, leap of faith, blindly. No, no one taught me this. No, I had no rule book. And, and um, I reached out to her and I said, you know, here's what I'm trying to do. I want to be in a nonprofit one day. I want to do all of these different things. She said, well, come to my office and, you know, let's sit down and talk about it. And do you know this woman gave me a job? Wow. Gave me a job as a community liaison within her office. Okay. And so I was doing that. And she also had a nonprofit of her own. Right. And I was volunteering and doing work for Mac Alive. Yep. And also uh, working as a community liaison for the city of Detroit. Yep. Uh, and and just, you know, it wasn't a high paying job or anything like that. But the experience and the connections, the connections, yep. the people I met, the places I was going, I was able to go out. I was being sent out to all of these events across the city of Detroit that she could not attend. Yeah. So I was at community meetings. I was at grand opening ceremonies. All of this at this young age, making these connections, it was insane. Oh, yeah. And so, but at the same time, it was an amazing experience. At the same time, I did finally get a call back for one of the nonprofits I applied to, Warren County Development Coalition. Yep. And where the Miss Maggie DeSantis mm-hmm. uh, was the founder, president, and uh, extraordinaire. And so I end up applying for one job. And when Maggie brought me in for my interview and looked at some of my experience that I had had from in, in uh, affordable housing, which had included working for the CFO, working for the um, general counsel, working for the COO. So I had gained a lot of experience, including working in QuickBooks and reconciling bank statements and all of that. So, hey. Whatever experience I have from anywhere, I've taken it with me. And so she saw my resume and she said, well, I want you to be my finance operations manager instead. Wow. And I said, okay. (laughs) What a blessing. Wow, that is wonderful. What a blessing. What a blessing. I'm telling you, I didn't plan this life out. God had all of this set up for me. I knew what I wanted. And he had just opened up doors along with me 
saying, okay, God, I'm taking a leap. I need you to go with me. Yeah. And so end up working there for, um, three and a half years. Again, the connections, the experience, yes. the opportunities, the work yes. just deeply ingrained and in doing. Now this is like, Oh my God, this is what I went to college for. This is what I wanted to do. Yeah. And, uh, I had to wiggle my way into program management because she said, well, if you're going to be an executive director of a nonprofit one day, you got to know this finance stuff. Yep. So she said, do this finance work for me. And I, I promise you, I will get you over to the programmatic side. So I did that until um, I finally said, look, Maggie, I, I need, I need to get over here to the, to the program side because that's really where my heart is. And I want to get out of this operation stuff. But meanwhile, I had gotten all this experience. And so I had the opportunity to run several projects, um, had an amazing group of people under me, uh, ran a farmer's market, um, ran a coalition uh, to bring a recreational and educational campus at Chandler Park. Wow. Uh, ended up being on the news for trying to save Chandler Park. Mm-hmm. All these various things you know i'm talking about real community work running a blight project running a walking uh club and health club uh sitting on boards with the university of michigan with their public health department because we have partnerships with them right um i mean just unbelievable and and then the big project came with us trying to bring this charter school to chandler park okay and so again head in the sand doing my work and end up running a coalition of over 20 organizations to try and make this this thing happen. And uh, started going around the U.S. to tour um, high-performing charter schools to figure out what model we wanted to bring there. Okay. And Doug Ross, who is a guru yes. of charters, met yes. him. He's he's involved. So he he's here. You know, all these connections, opportunities, things that, you know, I've never been to flip through a book well who are the people i need to know and who do i how do i need to get to you know these people I'm, i've never done that and i've been blessed to just have these connections yeah so ended up he was watching me i had no idea i'm just doing my job and as we're going through this process to obtain a charter he ends up um asking me to work for him in his newly appointed position as the chief officer for Detroit public schools. Right. And so he brought me in and I became a charter school authorizer from there. I obtained a charter through Central Michigan University, made all those connections, won another award through Central Michigan for the community, um, for the excellence of the community work that I was doing over there with the coalition, had to go and speak in an, in front of an audience of, you know, uh, you know, I want to say close to a thousand people of a convening of their schools in yep. Lansing. Yep. And um, end up going on from there, working at DPS as a charter school authorizer. And the rest has been history in terms of my educational work from there, from starting that educational work with my community development experience and, and doing that. And all of the education work I've been doing for years really inspired me and led me to create Kids Kingdom, which again is kind of this recreational educational thing yeah. back to my roots of what we were trying to create on the east side. And I wanted to create something like that for kids because as it turns out, 
there was there weren't any other ones in the entire city of Detroit. Okay. So I know that's kind of a long trajectory story, but that's really my story and how things have happened for me. And when I look back, when I actually explain it, it's really astounding how good God has been to me. Yes. Um and and, and how um how fortunate I've been to have opportunity and access. Oh yeah. And uh, before we go any further, I want to take a break and do some shout outs. Shout out to Alberta Tinsley Talabi. I worked at the city around yeah. the same time. Um, yeah. I got I got to know her through being a budget analyst with the budget department. She's just the most uh, wow. most open person you could meet. And that's right. And also also shout out to Maggie DeSantis, who yes. I worked with about 13 years ago. I did a program, a partner of mine and I did a program for her at Warren Connor uh, and also formerly known as Warren Connor now it is Eastside Community Network Eastside Community Network that's right and yeah. I really Maggie if you if you ever get a chance to hear this episode I really regret that you retired you're a living legend thank you so much for all the work he you've is. done yes 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 it's just a blessing Danielle to be in that in that space and the, all of the that's opportunities right. that were bestowed upon you was or because it was that's meant right. for you to do it it was meant for you to that's be in right. those roles I could have never planned that all out. I could I could have never charted that course. So when people say, "Did you plan this? Is this where you thought you could?" I I couldn't have I couldn't have told you this. This is uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you're when you're when you're destined to do something great, and you after you do it, you don't know it when you're doing it, but after you look back, that's the whole miracle of it is the fact that you create these right. miracles as you go along. That's right. Thanks for listening to part one of our interview with Danielle North. Stay tuned for part two as we delve more into Danielle's life, her work, and Kids Kingdom Detroit. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Bamboo Detroit, located in the heart of downtown Detroit. Bamboo Detroit specializes in co-working space and amenities for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers. Bamboo Detroit, where we do more together because Detroit is for doers. We appreciate your support by subscribing to our podcast right here on the Doers Network. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Doers Podcast, where actives grow and thrive. The Doers Podcast is produced by Bamboo Detroit Network. For more information, visit us at bamboodetroit.com. <laughs>